1: Hey, I'm Jim Richards. I want to welcome you to message number four in this series called The Spirit of Adoption: a Study of Rewards and Inheritance. I am telling you, I am getting so much positive feedback. Everywhere that I share anything about this, people are just raving about the difference it makes in their own life and their own ability to recognize how to how to relate to God around these areas. It gives them positive hope about the future uh, and it it delivers people from the fear where they were wrongly interpreting scripture. One of the main things that you walk away uh, when you realize the difference between the spirit of adoption and uh, being born again by the spirit of God is that you walk away realizing most of the really negative messages that we have been taught to make us afraid really religion used them to beat us into the line, make us do right, and make us afraid to do wrong. They really weren't messages about going to heaven or going to hell, they were messages about how we manage our future inheritance. It's actually our inheritance that we have here in this life, and we talked last time about the fact that this is not works, this is not legalism. Legalism is when you are believing God to make you righteous by your works. We are not talking about being made righteous. We are talking about the person who has been born again, who has been given the gift of righteousness, but yet we still have a personal duty, responsibility, and opportunity to have a great influence on our rewards and our inheritance. And now, remember, just real quickly, I'm just hitting the review pretty quick, like, so we can get right into the meat of this thing today. But remember, we experience inheritance and rewards in three different dimensions. Number one, here right now in our heart, in the millennium when we reign with Jesus, and ultimately in eternity. And so every one of those aspects or dimensions, evidently our rewards and inheritance can actually be affected and there's biblical basis. This is not just grabbing at some obscure passage somewhere. There's a biblical basis for that for this. So, just in a real quick reminder, I want let's just make sure we get clear on this. Whenever we get born again, we become children of God and we become heirs of God. We don't have to grow into our inheritance. There are some cult groups that teach that you don't really qualify for your inheritance yet. Um, but but that you will someday if you get the right anointing be able to be able to grow into that is not the kind of thing that we're talking about our inheritance is given to us now the rewards that come into our life are just the natural overflow of sowing and reaping how we live our life and so this is not some kind of message that says okay if you'll get spiritual enough you'll be able to get this no this is a message that says uh, the Word of God makes a distinction between being children of God and being sons of God. Now, the difference isn't what you have or what you don't have. The difference is whether or not you are growing into the maturity so that you value, you manage, you recognize the effect that your decisions and everything that you do has on rewards and on your inheritance. Now, one of the phrases that Jesus used quite often was "good and faithful servant." He he used the term "faithful servant" probably more than he did "good and faithful servant." So, before we dive into this today, because we're talking today about faithful servants, let's just make sure we got a, at least a, a decent understanding of what that means. I'll tell you why this is this is so important. You know, in the in the age that we now live in. People are redefining words, they're they're creating theology based on their own desires and opinion. They're not really doing biblical research, they're not seeing what the Bible says. Uh, people are just grasping concepts, ideas, and creating doctrines out of a word or a phrase and how they imagine they want it to be. Uh, there was a Bible school student here one time, great, really great guy, great Bible school student, and uh and from time to time, we'd allow the Bible school students to speak. And so this particular Bible school student was preaching, uh, and, and he was preaching from a parable of the New Testament where Jesus made reference to good and faithful servants. And he said, I am so glad that, I, that when I stand before God, that's what I'm going to hear is good and faithful servant because I have believed on Jesus. And if I believe on Jesus, then that's all it takes to be a good and faithful servant. I got to tell you, I kind of, man, I. I my I got a bad feeling in the pit of my stomach. And I remember thinking, you know what? Uh, this is a good guy. He's a great minister. He's effective with people. But he's going to have some trouble in his life if he is this loose with how he interprets scripture and, and creates doctrine. And sadly, people who who get loose with creating their own doctrines really always end up going through some difficulties until until they get it worked out. Now the word good. Is we know good is a general sense of good, it's pleasant, it's desirable, it's pleasing, all those kinds of things. But always remember this anytime you see the word good in scriptures, is also indicating that the reason is good, is because it is in harmony with God, it's in harmony with what God said, it's in harmony with God's will, it's in harmony with God's intentions, and then there's the word faithful. So you know, a good servant is, is someone who is living a life that is pleasing, not only to himself, but pleasing to God. And it's pleasing to God because everything he is doing is in harmony with the Word of God. And that's not legalism. That is just understanding the wisdom for having a, a great life. And then the word faithful primarily comes from the root of the word, or the root word of it is, is the word faith. And now faith, is when we believe and act on something that our master has said. Faith is not where we try to believe something hard enough to get God to do it, to talk Him into do it, or to influence Him uh, to do whatever it is that, that we won't do. So, a faithful person does not choose their own way. They follow the instructions of the master. So, a good and faithful person is a person who is in harmony with God and life to his fullness. And they are, that's happening, that harmony is being created because uh, of their faith, because they are act, like I said, they are building all that they do based on what the master has said. Now, in the book of Luke, Luke 19, 13, uh, where it talks almost in parallel with Luke uh, 25. Where it talks about uh the parable of the talents. There's a really important passage I'm just going to read there before we jump into Matthew 25. And, and that is uh, at the, and Luke, it just adds this one part, uh, Luke 19, 13. It says, And he called his ten ser- he called his ten servants and delivered to them 10 pounds and said unto them, occupy until I come. Now the word occupy means to be doing business and gaining ground. So the real truth is, God has a mission for us here on planet Earth. God intends for us to be a, a blessing, a help, and a strength to, to people. We have some kingdom business where we should be gaining ground for God in the sense of bringing people to Jesus, making disciples, and you know, all, all, ministering to people, helping people get whole, and all that kind of stuff. But I want to get down to this because this is so incredibly important to understand some aspect of our inheritance and how how we have this capability of influence our inheritance. Now, Matthew twenty five fourteen, we have the beginning of the parable of the talents. Now, it's always important that you look at in any of the parables, any teachings of Jesus, actually any book of the Bible. You want to find out who this is written to, what the subject matter is, you want to find out, like, and it's easy to do, and for example, Matthew 25, 14 says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling a far country who did thus and so. So, we know here that Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven very specifically, not the kingdom of God. Now, I have people write me all the time, so you, you are confused, you don't know what you're talking about, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, they are the same because they're used synonymously in different gospels. Well, no. Each gospel was inspired by the Holy Spirit uh, to have influence with the people that they were reaching. And, You know, we know that Mark was written to influence the uh, the Romans because it's all about power. We know that John is probably the most powerful uh, gospel for the Gentiles. We know that Matthew was a powerful gospel for the Jews. So, so. God did not accidentally inspire these, uh, uh, these words. He inspired the words that he wanted to use to bring a certain point to us. So Matthew 25 is not about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is about surrendering to the lordship of Jesus uh, and, and uh, uh, building your life uh, on, on his word because you're living in his kingdom and he is king the kingdom of heaven, is more about accessing the resources of God or the resources of heaven. So so this is about the kingdom of heaven. Every time you read something that Jesus taught, if you will pay attention, take a little bit of time, you will be able to know exactly what he is intending to do. You know, in Matthew 24, I think we've talked about it, And many people get their uh, end-time doctrine all confused and make Matthew 24 say things that it's not saying because they don't pay attention to what the Word of God says. It says that His disciples came to Him and asked Him three distinct questions. What's going to be the sign of of the temple being destroyed? Um, uh, What's going to be the sign of your return? And what's going to be the signs of the end? And so people try to weave all three of those different answers into one answer, and it gets very contradictory, very conflicting, and very, very confusing to the point that you end up having to make things up uh, to get it to say what you need for it to say. Always pay attention. So, in this, in this about the uh, uh, kingdom of heaven parable about the parables it's really simple and i'm going to kind of give you a quick overview so we don't have to go through reading every single word in here but i hope you will go through and read them and um uh, in verse 15 the master is getting ready to leave and so he calls all of his servants to him and to one he gives five talents and a talent is a weight so this could be a weight of silver a weight of gold a weight of of food In other words, it's a weight of something that they can use to do business with. So to another, he gave two, and to another, he gave one. And here to me is the most important phrase in this sentence. It says, according to his own ability. Now, one of the things I have come to realize about God, and that is that we are only responsible to do, number one, the things that we have the opportunity to do, and number one, I mean, number two, the things that we have the, the ability or the capacity to do. And that's one of the things that grace does in our heart. It expands our capacity, expands our ability. So we're not necessarily stuck with the ability or capacity that we have right now. That can be expanded by our own choosing. But the point is, at this moment in time, I, I have a certain level of capacity and ability. That's, that's really all I'm responsible for. So the master leaves. So this is a type of Jesus departing after the resurrection, uh, pouring out the Holy Spirit and leaving us here to serve as ambassadors here on planet Earth. So when the master comes back, and I'm gonna, again, I'm going to skip through this pretty quick. You know, he came to the five, God had five talents, and, and he had taken those talents, he had invested them, he had traded And he came back and said, look, here's the five you gave me. Here's five more. And he says, well done, thou good and faithful uh, servant. He says, you have been faithful over much. I will make you ruler over much. Enter into the joy of the Lord. And then he, the guy that he gave two talents to, he he comes in and he says, look, here's the two you gave me. Here's two more. And he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I'm going to make you ruler over much. That's so interesting to me that uh, it seems that what the master wanted was faithfulness. I honestly believe that if any one of these guys had walked in there and had gone out and put forth the effort and lost everything personally, because they were faithful to comply to what the master called them to do personally, I think they would have gotten a reward. I think it, I think it would have, have been uh, a benefit for them. And so then he called in the one the person who had received one talent who had who had dug a hole in the ground and who had hid his lord's money and uh and so now in verse 21 we have the well done come in i'm going to make you ruler and it's really interesting again because the first two servants good faithful servants became because they were faithful they became rulers over something now When and where will the believer become a ruler over anything? We're not supposed to rule over other people the way the Gentiles do. That's forbidden. Jesus did not do that. So when and where will we rule? We will rule and reign with Jesus in the millennium for one thousand years. Now the majority of churches in America and the world do not believe that promise, even though it is even though it's talked about and very. I explicitly explained in the Old Testament and in the New Testament and in the teaching of Jesus, the great number of churches do not teach it, do not believe it. Um, they, as a matter of fact, m- the great number of churches probably today believe that most of the teaching about the second coming is allegorical. It is not literal, it's not really going to happen the way Jesus says. It's not going to happen the way the Bible says. But I got news for you it's going to happen that way. Uh, after Jesus catches us up into the air and we participate in the marriage feast of the Lamb, then we are going to come back with him and the angels, and we are together with him. We are going to, he's going to overthrow the Antichrist and his armies, and then we will be appointed responsibilities in the kingdom here on earth to rule and reign with him. That is just Phenomenal. So you start realizing what we're doing and the faithfulness that we're developing in our heart today evidently reflects in, in our heart and in our capacity to be able to rule and reign with him. Man, I, I don't know about you, but that is so uh exciting. Now you know the, the guy that he gave one talent to, and that guy takes that one talent, he goes out and buries it in the ground, and of course. Um, he, he comes back and says some really hateful things to his master. He says, look, here's the one talent you gave me. He says, I was afraid of you because you're a hard man reaping where you have not sown gathering, where you have not scattered seed. And so, you know, I, I was afraid I wouldn't mess up. So look here, here's the talent I gave you. Now, I, I don't, I'm not trying to condemn you, but I want you to know if you are sitting there telling yourself that you're not going to do anything with your life, you're not going to do anything with God because you're afraid you'll mess up and get in trouble, I want you to know you don't understand who God is if that's what you think about God. Uh, Like I said, I'm completely convinced if any of these servants have lost everything everything they have, as long as they have been faithful to go out and put forth the effort it would have, I personally think that that would have been rewarded because it would have been fateful effort. Also, don't forget, over you know, in Luke with the same parable, the goal is, I want you to occupy until I come. We are here to be doing business and gaining ground for the kingdom of God. This isn't about just going to church. This isn't about doing right all the time. All those things are meaningful and valuable but this is about making our life count while we are here on planet Earth. So now we're gonna gain insight into why this servant and why some people choose to believe these incredibly negative things about God. And we're gonna discover uh, where these excuses that came from. And actually when people began to present Attacking or criticizing excuses, and one of the things that you can be—you can count on—they are creating uh, in their mind an exemption. In other words, because I judge you to be mean, because I judge you to be hard, because I judge this about you, which we do—we judge God, we pass these judgments on Him, and then those judgments become our excuses to be to be irresponsible. Uh, Keep in mind, in the book of Colossians, and, and most of you know this. If you followed me for very long you've heard me teach about the gospel of peace or read my book on the gospel of peace, um, then you understand this scripture because I talk about it. In the book of Colossians, first chapter, somewhere down around about the 20th verse, uh, Paul says uh, you know, that uh, through the cross that God made peace with us. He reconciled us to him. And and he talks about the fact that before that we were enemies of God in our mind by our wicked works. Now, when we are unfaithful, then we begin to assume that God, or really, if we're unfaithful or unkind or dishonest to somebody around us, or treat them wrong, even if they don't know it, then we begin to have condemnation. And we really begin to have a sense that they are against us, and so we become enemies not because they have done anything to prove that we're enemies, but because we are condemned in our own mind by our wicked works. Now, many people took that passage of scripture and took that teaching because, as far as I know, I was one of the first people in the world to ever to ever talk very much about that. But many people took that teaching and said so. So really, nobody has ever been an enemy of God. Nobody's ever been against god it's all it, it's just all in their mind. no that's not what it's saying. It's saying very specifically that our wicked works uh, create an enmity between us and God, but it's because of what we hold in our mind. you know I, I've told this story i don't know how many times years ago i had a I had a business and and uh, a I did some business with a fellow and he cheated me out of either five or $10,000. Can't even remember. And, um, I finally just decided, you know what, I'm just going to let this go and I'm just going to forgive this debt. And next time I get a chance to talk to this guy, I'm going to, I'm going to let him know. I just, I just forgive the debt. Well, man, this guy began to spread the most horrendous rumors about me that you could ever imagine. And, um, eventually I did, I did get to talk to him. I said, I said, what's the deal? Why are you doing this? And he, started accusing me of being a crook and all kinds of stuff. I said, when was I a crook? And, and uh, he said, well, you, 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 know, you got me in debt to you. I'm like, no, I didn't get you in debt to me. You got in debt. And I said, besides that, I forgave that debt. You know, once you said you couldn't pay it, I, I let it go. But instead of you, uh, coming to me and, and, and us working that out, you just went out and started spreading rumors because your own heart condemned you. And that is the way it goes. So anyhow, Verse 24 says, uh, the master speaking, which is, would be a type of Jesus, says, Then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I, I read that. I knew your hard man reaping where you had not sown, gathering where you didn't uh, scatter seed. I was, and I, was, I was really afraid. So then verse 26, his Lord answered and said to him, you wicked and lazy servant. Now, this is the real problem this servant had. He was wicked and lazy. The word, um, the word lazy, it's kind of an interesting word. We all, know, we all know what it means to be lazy, but this is kind of interesting because this gets into the concept of indolent, and this is a person who's always tardy, who doesn't want to put forth the effort to be on time. They always want to avoid activity, and they want to avoid any kind of exertion, so they're always trying to find a way to get out of work and then the, the word wicked also means irksome <laughs> that's powerful disagreeable annoying irritating exasperating um and so and so this is the real problem it's not any of those excuses that came with before so his master says so you knew that i reap where i have not sown gather where i have not scattered seeds so you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers at my coming and I would have received my own inheritance. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has 10 talents, for to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away and cast that unprofitable servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So we immediately seen this, or assume this weeping and gnashing of teeth is because he's cast out into hell. no. We don't really know that explicitly, but we know this. He is a person who lost uh, his rewards or his inheritance, whichever the case may be, simply because he was lazy and he was always looking for some kind of way to get out of work. Now, this whole thing here about to him who has more is given, to him who doesn't have, even what he has is taken away. This kind of gets into the concept of rewards, maybe even more. I don't know if it is more than inheritance because since the master talked about them ruling with him, that's kind of getting into that to the inheritance of ruling and reigning with him in the millennium. But this definition here gets more into reward in the greek when when this script when you read a scripture like this, and this is over in mark four as well, and it's talking about more is given to him who has, and even than the one who doesn't have, even what he has is taken away. In the Greek, this doesn't create a picture of someone actually physically taking anything away from this person. It gets into that idea that we mentioned about rewards, I think, in the last message, where rewards are the natural outcome of, of sowing and reaping. They're the natural outcome of how we make decisions, you know, where we put our efforts and all those kinds of things. And in the Greek, it kind of presents a picture of rain flowing through and washing away that which a person has that is not built on a solid foundation. It's not built on the rock of Jesus. and But the person who builds on the rock, the rain that comes through just cleanses everything for them. Now, I got to tell you, I, when I read this, this passage of Scripture here in verse 30, I tend to think about Esau who sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. You think he didn't find himself weeping and gnashing teeth and and begrudging and hating himself and hating his brother and hating everybody involved and blaming everybody involved? Listen, I can't imagine the torment that's going to come to a lot of people when they realize I could have made my life count. I could have done something incredible. And instead, I just chose to be a goof off and and, and be lazy. You know, uh, Matthew 16, 25 says, whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but so whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. For what profit is there if a man gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? You don't want uh, and then he says, He, he says, everyone will receive, will receive rewards according to their work, according to the effort uh, that, that they put into this. Listen, God wants you to have rewards. God wants you to have the very best life possible. But if you choose to be a person, he says, I don't care. I don't care about any of those things. I'm just going to live the way I want to. And this will be something you'll never experience. Hey, listen, be sure and download the series that goes with this you'll love. It's going to change your world. I'll talk to you again next week.
0: Thanks for listening to the Weekly Impact Ministries World Changers podcast with Dr. Jim Richards. If you like what you've just heard, we encourage you to share our web address, www.impactministries.com or drjimrichards.com with friends and colleagues. Be sure to check out the resources section of our website from previous broadcasts and our videos. Join us next week for another great message by Dr. Jim Richards.